You're listening to PK's Geek Kingdom, Episode 4, 80's Wrestling Talk, Brother! Ooh, yeah, dig it! Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I did have a little bit of Geek TV I wanted to talk about, and that was a series on Apple Plus called Central Park. Now, this is an animated series from the same creators that brought us Bob's Burgers. Uh, So if you're a big Bob's Burgers fan on Fox, then you're probably really going to love Central Park. It's the same animation style. It's the same irreverent humor that's all very character-driven. But whereas Bob's Burgers will occasionally have a song here or there, Central Park is a full-blown musical animated series. And I got to tell you, we are loving every episode. I mean, they're knocking it out of the park every time. The songs are great. The characters are great. Um, the voice cast is phenomenal and includes uh, Chris, Kristen Bell, again, from Frozen, uh, if you uh, want to make that a connection again. Uh, Titus Burgess, who played Titus Andromedon on The Unbreakable Kitty, Kimmy Schmidt. We have David Diggs, um, who was another Broadway guy. There's a lot of Broadway people on here between David Diggs and Josh Gad, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, who again, along with David Diggs, were part of the original cast of Hamilton. Uh, Leslie is the main character. He's the dad, who actually is like the main groundskeeper and runner of Central Park, and his family live in this old house in Central Park, and... Without getting into uh, a lot of the details of the show, it's kind of about them trying to save the park from a a 'er ne'er-do-well that lives in a hotel that she owns (laughs) um, just off of Central Park who is trying to buy up the land so that she can turn it into something else. And she's just a very devious character. And she, and I say she, is voiced by the amazing Stanley Tucci. And it took me a minute to realize who it was, but... It's it's Bitsy, who is Stanley Tucci's character, may be my favorite character in the entire thing. She is absolutely hysterical. And again, on top of the regular cast, you've got recurring characters that are, again, all played by a lot of very famous voice actors, including Tony Shalhoub, uh, who you may know from Monk fame, or Phil Amar, who was kind of a god of voice actors, uh, if you don't know the name Phil Lamar, look him up. You've probably watched a thousand things that Phil Lamar has done and didn't even realize it. To tie in yet another Book of Mormon, there is Andrew Rannells, who is in it as well. And, uh, and as well as that, you also have H. John Benjamin, who is Bob in Bob's Burgers, who makes a cameo in this series as well. And yet another Hamilton actor, Christopher Jackson, is in the show as well. And again, it's six episodes in on Apple TV+. Plus. They drop new episodes every Friday. And uh, the, the writing team for the songs um, is fantastic. You've got writers that are just regular standard writers, but then you also got people like Sarah Bareilles that's writing songs for the show. And every song is witty. Every song is catchy. Every song helps further the plot, which is hilarious as well. 
And yeah, I know a lot of people don't have Apple TV Plus, but if you have any way to watch this series, I, it's it's phenomenal. It's so 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 good. So please, if you get a chance, find a way to watch Central Park. So good. Like a lot of kids that grew up in the 80s, I was a big fan of professional wrestling. I came into it uh, about the time that Hulk Hogan and the whole rock and wrestling connection was starting in the WWF. It'll always be WWF to me um, in the um, early to early to mid 80s. And I really wanted to talk about it. And I thought, who better to kind of bring in on this conversation than a really good buddy of mine who I've done a lot of theater with over the years. And he kind of really embodies the energy of 80s wrestling in 2020. And so I have my buddy Ryan with me out of Orlando, Florida. Ryan, I'm so glad you could join me tonight. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now, I probably shouldn't uh, start out that way. Hulk Hogan's a bit problematic these days. But, he is a, um, a little problematic. Just a, it's just a little bit. Just a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, man. Not as, I, not as much as some other ones I've seen recently. Well, yes, yeah, if you've been paying attention recently, certainly. Holy cow. But anyway, man, thank, again, thank you so much. Thanks for, for having me, dude. It's, yeah. it's always good to talk to you. Um, I like talking to my friends. And then also uh, I love talking about pro wrestling because it's the probably the one thing that's been with me my entire life. Um, yeah. As, as long as I can remember, I've, I've always had pro wrestling. Some things have come and gone uh, along the, along the way, but uh, there's always, always been pro wrestling. And it started, you know, in that Hulk Hogan time, um, I was a little bit, you're a little older than me, but I was bit, more uh, kind of mid to late 80s, early 90s sure, uh, sure. was my the heyday as a, as a child but uh but you know hulkamania was where it was at when i was a kid and i remember crying um when he lost to the ultimate warrior in the wrestlemania match i remember just openly weeping pretty much anytime hogan lost <laughs> you see it's funny because i was such a warrior mark um, i get it when he came along um i and and, and in retrospect i'm like why why was why but um <laughs> But I, I really was my my. It's so funny that you bring up Hulk Hogan heartbreaking moments. My mm-hmm. for me, and I actually talked about this briefly on a previous episode. The heartbreaking moment for me was when Earthquake came in and sat on and crushed Hogan. Yeah, yeah. On, I wish I wish to hell I could remember which talk show segment it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it I may have been the barber shop. Um. It was either the barbershop or the brother love or brother love. It may mm-hmm. have been brother love. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was my Hulk Hogan. You know, pardon the pun, but heart crushing moment because I, yeah, I honest one. to God, thought he was dead. Right. No, absolutely. I and, um, did. <laughs> just to just go back for a second, what you said about uh, you know kind of being ashamed of the ultimate. Don't be ashamed of anything that you loved when you were a kid because that doesn't count because you were a kid. That's fair. So, that's that's <laughs> when you look back on it now. Of course, uh, it seems. But yeah, I just I was thinking about it. I was kind of, you know, kind of going through what we were going to talk about tonight and, you know, what, you know, what exactly it was that drew me to this incredible world of Carney <laughs> gone insane, uh, thanks to Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Um, because let's face it, I mean, I was a I was an NWA and a WCW guy as a kid, too, just because like like you, I grew up in the South. 
So, and when you grow up in the South, it was hard to avoid the NWA. Certainly, yeah. Uh, but you know, really, the the most of what you saw on television, especially when you were when I was a kid, was WWF superstars, um, All American Wrestling, Primetime Wrestling, uh, Saturday Night's Main Event. Um, I know I'm forgetting one. Uh, I think was there was there champions WWF champions. I think may have been one at one point. Probably. probably. Um, TNT. They had WWF TNT, yes. which was that really bad talk show, talk show yes. that they did. That um, anything for for uh, Vince to get on TV more. Um, man, Vince, Vince at his at his coked out best. Let me tell you. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and everybody's heads looked like they were so huge they were about to pop. Um. I was like, how did he get into that suit? It's 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 uncomfortable. They were they were so juiced. They were so juiced. Um, were, but anyway, they were doing everything. Yeah, but you know, I was like, I guess since I was a comic book kid first, like if I go back even a little bit farther in my in my pop culture fandom, I was like a big fan of like uh, Batman and the yeah. Super Friends, and I was just getting into comics at about the age of like seven or eight, and then I saw this wrestling thing and i did what probably a lot of kids did. it was like this is a real live comic book oh yeah this is this is these are comic book characters come to life and turned up to 11 absolutely and 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 so there were you know and you had your good especially back then you had your good guys and your bad guys or we want to use the lingo the faces and the heels but Mm -hmm. that when when i was eight it was good guys and bad guys yes Uh, you know and i'll never forget i remember sitting on watching it. My favorite, my favorite one to watch uh, that I remember watching the most of the WWF programming was when USA had um, a primetime wrestling, mm-hmm. which was, which I believe was hosted by uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. That sounds right. And or they could have been all American. Could have been all American. I'm such a good podcaster. Um, <laughs> with all the greatest information, I think Just a that couple was all, dudes talking, man. That's, think, that's all it is. I think that was all American wrestling. Now that I think about right. it, it was on Sunday afternoons because it would come on after the USA Cartoon Express on Sunday mornings, uh, and it yeah. was like Sunday morning Cartoon Express straight into all American wrestling with Gorilla and Bobby, who I'm sorry are still my favorite commentating pair. Oh, they're legendary time. for sure. I, for sure, they pl- the chemistry between Gorilla and Bobby mm-hmm. was. Oh, they. I mean, Bob- Bobby Heenan is. Uh, and, Bob- I mean, and Bobby, Bobby, to me, Bobby to me is the greatest color man ever in the business. Uh, probably, probably so. I'm a big Jesse Ventura guy because I just love Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, but uh, but Bobby you're probably was, right. Bob Bobby, Bobby was, he's so so uh, quick witted and and uh, I, I think honestly, that's I think he's one reason I wanted to do comedy because he was right. just so. That's He's so fast was, and quick and so smart. I was about to say that Bobby probably, if he hadn't gone the wrestling path, mm-hmm. he easily could have been a television comic. Oh, he sure. Easily sure. could have been, you know, on uh, some sort of TV in the seventies, seventies and eighties. Could have been Don Rickles, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, he really is. Yeah. He was the, he is the quickest wit I've seen of anybody so in the business. So fast and. Yeah. I was heartbroken. That's the biggest. That's the one wrestling death that hurt me more than any of them, honestly. Oh, really? When Bobby died, because I was like, "That's that's an energy that will and the business I don't think will ever have again." Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big one, and the, all of those the the USA stuff and the, and the WWF at the time was was special to me because I I grew up in the in the woods <laughs> and uh, we didn't. <laughs> 
I didn't have, I, I had cable when DirecTV came along, I think in 1994. Oh my gosh. Uh, so the only time I ever got to see the USA uh, stuff was when I was uh, staying with my grandmother. Okay. Um, so, so it was really a luxury. And then the other, only other times I ever got to see WWF is when we, or WWE slash WWF, whatever, um, at the time was going to a local video store um, yeah. that had, all these WWF tapes that we would just rent over and over and over again. Um, but when I was, when I was the TV that I had was like you said, the NWA. And then I grew up two hours North of Memphis. Okay. So we had, uh, we had Memphis uh, wrestling as well. So I was, oh, that's, uh, that's great stuff. Yeah. Oh, that, that Jerry Lawler uh, stuff uh. was, he was he was he was the Hulk Hogan. He was the larger than life hero of Memphis and uh, and still still great and it, yeah. and also problematic too. So all of my heroes are falling. So that's <laughs> well, uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean let's let's be honest. There's very few from that. There's a lot of them for that. I'll say I'll say there's a lot of them in the air, and I won't say very few are good guys. I'll say there was a lot of them that were problematic. Yeah, um, it's good that there was a Twitter then. It was a different world. I mean, it was, you know, I, that, that's not to justify it by any stretch of the oh, imagination. But, I mean, it was just, you know, these guys were road weary and they, you know, they traveled so much and, you know, put their, not, not only put their bodies on the line, just put their, I mean, I can't imagine the work schedule these guys did. Oh, at that time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, traveling. Uh, from from town to town and doing show after show after show. I mean, we do a lot of we've done a lot of shows in our time, yeah, um, and had strenuous show schedules. But holy shit, man! I mean, like, you, you you read. Know, I, think, I remember reading in Ric Flair's book, oh, yeah. um, and talking him talking about how they would do you know m- you know Monday through Friday, you know one show a night, and then Saturday and Sunday they made two two or three shows, two or three. Yeah. You know, and he'd go and he'd go Broadway, which, you know, for those of you not in the wrestling lingo, uh, means that they would where do... all the musicals. Uh, right. Are, exactly. Then, you know, <laughs> <and> also, <laughs> it's it's basically by, by Broadway. I'm saying that they they would do like these hour long matches. Yeah. And they would and they would do them multiple times in one weekend. I'm like, I can't. I don't. I don't like mowing the lawn and cleaning the pool in one weekend. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a. Uh, it was a crazy schedule. And I think you know that's why you saw um, so many drug problems. You know? uh, yeah, it's yeah. Just, that that life is, is is near impossible to do uh, sober. So yeah, between between the I mean, this is really going into a into a dark into a dark convo, but you know between the between the narcotics and the painkillers, I mean. Yeah, it's scary, man. It's scary behind the scenes. And um, it's I'm surprised that as many people as has uh, were able to hold it together. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of people that couldn't, but I mean, a yeah, lot of people yeah, also did it together and you had to respect uh, that to, to a degree. But uh, so I thought, uh, you know, I thought we would what we do is we go through and um, we could kind of go back and forth and talk about some of our favorite uh, characters from the time. Sure. And and kind of go through those, and you know we could always talk about your Hogan's. You can talk about your Warriors, you know your big your Andre the Giants, which I got to actually see live one time. P.S. Um, Ooh, I'm nice. I'm so glad that I actually can say that as a kid I actually got to see Andre live. Yeah. Um, I, and during his during his Warrior feud in the nineties. Oh so, wow, nice. So it was yeah it was in hindsight I'm like all he did was like lean against the ropes and scream snake snake and and then it was like <laughs> over like I didn't actually see him work he was just basically right. 
But well, I, I actually, I, wasn't doing person. a lot of working at that time anyway. No, you know, but I did was... see him in person, which was I, I'm, I'm glad I can say that I actually did see. Oh, him. That, that's amazing! Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great claim. I, I've seen the Big Show a couple times live, but that's as close as I got. <laughs> Not quite. This, that's I mean, a big dude, though. Let me yeah, tell you. he is. He is a big fella. Um, I actually met him. Him and, and and the trio of him, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall, all while I was doing improv in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, they actually came to a show one time. Nice. And so I got to meet them, and I was like, I know I'm a short dude, but when you put my five six ass next to those three guys, I was like, I don't know if I exist anymore. Some, some big guys, and you're and you're happy that something like pro wrestling exists so that those guys can have something to do because I mean, you truly. Know. But I was thinking, so I was thinking about who were kind of like my favorite, some of my favorites growing up. And one of the first ones that came to my mind was uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I know a lot of people, unless unless you're like just a heavy wrestling nerd, you know, you know, he kind of, he doesn't really kind of fit that, that you know, textbook. What do you think of wrestling? You think of X, mm-hmm. you know, name. But man, I don't. For some reason, when I was a kid, I was just drawn to Steamboat um, as as a performer in the ring. Uh, I it, it wasn't so much his character because his character, right. yeah, they were, he wasn't really a character. I mean, he but didn't really have much of a gimmick other than the fact that he they kind of threw a martial arts thing on him. That's, never mind the fact that he's not really Asian. <laughs> it's fine. Right. It's fine. But Look, if we if we do every example of that, uh, we're, we'll be here all night. Be a long time, right? Um, but yeah, so um, but yeah, I just remember seeing his matches and the first matches. I was really, I mean, I had seen his steam his, the Steamboat Savage match of WrestleMania three, which of course is held up as one of the best um, best matches of all time. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Randy Orton versus Edge was the greatest wrestling match ever. If you didn't, uh, if you didn't already know that, if you weren't paying attention in the past few weeks. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be closing <laughs> good, out. Good now. night, everybody. And, uh... <laughs> all right, no mod wrestling. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. I I can't I can't really comment on it. Um, a lot of the current stuff has been difficult for me to watch because it's just so weird. Sure. Uh, <laughs> It's, it is very weird. It's weird to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. But yeah, the steamboat, the steamboat savage match. I remember watching it. And again, you talked about the the VHSs. My parents would never buy. We had cable as kids, but we mm-hmm. did. My my dad, being the cheap ass dude that he is slash was, he's still alive. So not gonna you know, not gonna. Oh, what's but, up, pops? Yep, he is. But he is. He was kind of thrifty, so we didn't get pay per views <laughs> growing up because. Right. You know, the idea of paying, you know, 40 bucks for wrestling for a few hours was preposterous to him. So I would go, yeah, I would go to the local video store and rent the Manias as that would would be out. And I remember renting Mania 3. And yeah, that that Steamboat Savage match just was unbelievable. And I understand that Savage was the kind of worker that everything was planned out like to the to, yeah, every move was finest detail. Apparently uh, they would uh, they would quiz each other on like they would give them a number and this is the number move that happens then they would quiz each other back and forth, which is amazing. They had, they had it all listed out, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I mean, there's one thing to say, oh yeah, you know, it's choreographed, and I understand that it's we all understand, yeah. we all know it's choreographed, we all know, but but you know, but it's just very physical and it's still very violent. But the the length of that match and the ebbs and flows that it had, like that is. That was some crazy good storytelling 
that they took a lot of effort energy to kind of plot out ahead of time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. And then I went on, and then some of my favorite matches, period, um, actually do still come from Steamboat, and that is the trio matches that Steamboat had with Flair. Oh, in, God, yeah. In 89 uh, mm-hmm. for the world title in uh, or late NWA slash WCW days. Mm-hmm. Um, that that trifecta of matches that Steamboat and, Steamboat and Flair had, to me, are still my three favorite matches of all time. Oh, that, no, absolutely. That is, that I, is like when people say when I when I'm trying to explain wrestling to a complete novice, you know, there are some out there like my wife, for example, who, sure. you know, that's you know, <laughs> bless Kate's heart. She sits out and watches it with me, but she still doesn't understand why. Um, but like I could say, this is what I really love. And when if I'm showing somebody the real reason why I love wrestling, I show them those flare steamboat matches. Sure. Yeah, because. No, the work they did, and those things were called on the those were called in the ring completely, mm-hmm. all three of them, and yeah. all th- and it would have been very easy for them to do virtually the same match every time. And if you go back and you watch those three ma- matches and like like back to back to back, they're three very very different matches that tell three very very distinct stories. Absolutely. And to me, that is a testament to the performers themselves, Steamboat and Flair, for that matter, because Flair in the late 80s, when he was kind of at his peak of... Oh, yeah. Uh, his performance peak was in that 88, 89, 90 kind of window. Um, holy cow. Like, those things, I they, they never get old to me. Like, oh, a yeah. Lot, a lot of matches, I, you know, I, you know, I enjoy them, and I, I'll go back and revisit them, but, man, those three Flair-Steamboat matches are just... Just terrific stuff. Yeah, and, they're great. And and I always, you know, my, my older brother is a big uh, Ric Flair uh, fan. That's his favorite of all time. And so, um, but yeah, watching watching Flair then and and just going back and, and watching a lot of that stuff is, is a lot of fun. At the time, I didn't appreciate it quite as much because, you know, I was a kid, so it didn't it didn't excite me if people have long very interesting matches i just wanted to see sure. Hulk Hogan slam the 500 pound giant and that, right. and that was that was what was exciting for me right. as a kid but going back now and, and watching it yeah it's it's really incredible well it's funny because I, again i remember when i was i was first introduced to just because of its television presence to the wwf product mm-hmm. and it, we all know that it had a very specific flavor at that point in time, um, the WWF did. It was oh, yeah. the big, the big characters. Yes. It was the huge arenas. You know, it was the bump. Everybody had that huge. Everybody had the huge bombastic. You know, entrance themes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man! But then I re- then I, re- I I I distinctly remember the first time I ever watched the NWA on TBS at six oh five on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, the Superstation. The Superstation, yes, sir. And I remember how it was kind of a complete 180 in kind of style and format and presentation um, with those studio shows Yeah, they would do. Um, there were those with the small crowds and, uh, and the, the little interview section, the little interview area that was literally like, you could tell, was like right off from the ring. Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, that stuff, like, for me, this is the way my mind rationalized it when I was, like, eight years old. The WWF was, air quotes, fake. 
Mm -hmm. but the nwa <laughs> stuff was real that was the real stuff huh <laughs> that was the real what they were doing was legit yeah and I, I i don't know i mean i guess it was because they, they weren't as you know the the characters and the performers were not as colorful or as you know bombastic um unless the road warriors were, were making a um oh, a stop through which you know even at the age of eight, I, every time the Road Warriors stepped in, I was like, well, they're just going to kill somebody. Yeah, they just murder people, yeah. Which is a, a, almost a legitimate statement to make. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, for me, the NWA stuff was real, but the WWF stuff was the stuff that was not so real. And, I, you know, it's it's and again, I think it was all just because of the presentation and the formatting of the shows. Absolutely, yeah. And... Um, uh, so, uh, give me one of your, one of your favorites. Oh man. Um, so I really loved, uh, Mr. Perfect, <laughs> Kurt, oh Kurt Hennig. Um, yes. I, I just remember those, uh, vignettes that they did before he debuted and I was, I was encapsulated by this human being oh, and, um, yeah. And, and then of course he was so great in the ring. Um, but uh, him and, uh, and also, uh, the big boss man. <laughs> Uh, the big boss man was, was a big, uh, was one of my favorites too. And, uh, and dusty roads. So those are the three that immediately come to mind when oh, I think yeah. of I mean, during, around that time, like, you know, besides Hogan, of course, and, and, and warrior and the, the big time, uh, folks and savage and everything. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's so great that you actually did bring up Mr. Perfect. Um, yeah. because he, to me was such a great heel. Um, oh, yeah. he just, he had that. You just wanted to hate, like you wanted to hate him. Oh yeah. I mean, he just he and it and it seemed well. Quite honestly, anything Kurt Henning did was pretty much seemed effortless. <laughs> he was so um, gifted. At, he was at, just a gifted physical athlete. Yeah, yeah, like he was just he. It, it, actually, as an in-ring physical performer, he was just so good. And yeah, his his character work, his gimmick work, just. Like he just he nailed it. Like and there was something about the perfect plex that I just I just oh, loved yeah. that move. I mean, it was such a such a great move, and it fit him perfectly. I mean, without yeah. no pun intended, but I mean, I think it was pretty intended. Zing, uh, <laughs> jokes. Um, but yeah, like the yeah that perfect plex, that fisherman suplex, just really. Yeah, it, it it suited the character. He did it like he was. It was so great because it didn't see. It didn't seem like it didn't matter what size anybody was. He was yeah. able to land that perfect place. Yes. Oh, and absolutely. I, just, I always love watching it because it would. I would love it especially because I'd love the snapover version. But I would always love it when it would kind of like slowly float over. Slow and, yeah, yeah. The slow float over and then just land it. And I was just like, and you're like, ah, oh, that son of a bitch one again. <laughs> but yeah. And, uh, Great. And then, the, then when when Flair came to the WWF, mm -hmm. um, uh, Mr. Perfect was his manager. Yeah, and yeah. So, and of course, I, I didn't understand at the time that Mr. Perfect was hurt and all that right. stuff. But right. I was I was just like, oh, he's managing Ric Flair, the greatest of all time. This is, I mean, it was it, it was, made it was a magical sense. moment, yeah, magical yeah. time for me. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And yeah, you you talked about yeah, Bossman was Bossman was great because to me, Bossman is probably one of the best big men. Yeah, yeah, him and Bam Bam Bigelow probably the best. I mean, uh, and and, what, and I actually and I actually prefer uh, Bossman's yeah. work over Bigelow's simply because sure. Bossman just he moved like he he had the speed of somebody so half its size. So swift and uh, and so I smooth. Mean, and and I didn't yeah. and I don't think I appreciated that as a kid. But going back and kind of watching a lot of that stuff now, I'm like that dude was like 
300 plus pounds. Yeah. And just moving like a light heavyweight in there. Just just, yeah. Just, and that was, that's another one where the theme song was just, I mean, Oh, hard time, baby. Hard times. Hard times. Hard times. Yeah. That was, I was going to start plugging in some theme songs as we go, but I had a hard time with that on my last episode. And I'm, um, not going to try that again without, unless I, unless I try to, um, experiment with that ahead of time this is this is this is is patrick having a learning curve as he we all remember it and if you don't just go to youtube and that's right youtube is your friend amen um with that and then of course dusty i don't really think i appreciated dusty in his time in his in his prime right i just you know to me and again this is you know stupid little scrawny you know, Jewish kid from the South. He's like, if they weren't jacked up and muscled. Yeah. Like, like to me, they didn't, you know, it was like, well, how is this dude? I'm like, and again, that's another one that as I've grown up and gone back and watched a lot of his stuff, I'm mm-hmm. like, dude worked in the ring, but holy shit, man, his whole career. I, I'd, I'd say, I'd say, uh, 70, 30 was his presentation and his mic work. And oh, his, of, course, of course. His promo work. Because nobody cut a promo like Dusty. That's true. That's nobody, true. nobody did before him, and nobody's done it since. Or yeah, if they I, tried to do it, they'd just be basically emulating Dusty. Yeah, I never had much of a problem with uh, with Dusty physically because, I mean, I grew up in the South, and that's what my family looked like. <laughs> <laughs> People in my neighborhood—that's what you look like, and so it never it never Son bothered me for a second Son when he went to. When he went to uh, when he went from NWA to to WWF and they put him in uh, they put him in polka dots and I loved it I loved it when I was a kid. No, I, I see that was kind of you know because I I guess I kind of came to the to fandom after he was kind of out of his NWA prime. Yeah. Before he kind of crossed over to the WWF because I kind of dug his WWF work um, mm-hmm. and yeah, when they put him with Miss Sapphire. Uh, oh man, sweet Sapphire. Sweet Sapphire. Who would she that's another heartbreaking moment when Sapphire turned Oh on yeah, Dusty. man. Million dollar man. That's Join another uh, great Ted gimmick. Oh man. You know, that was and that's a great segue because is we're going if we're going great heels of the eighties. Oh man. Really Ooh. don't get much better than the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. I really, really don't. I mean, that's that's literally one that as a kid, I'm I was like, somebody needs to murder this man. Uh, yeah, like he's he pure evil. He was so great at just, just being. He just, and I, you know, I. It's just kind of digress a minute. You know, I've always heard that you know the heels kind of kind of move the business, right? You know, it's the the heels kind of dictate the tempo of the of a match. Yeah. The heels kind of, you know, the heels kind of dictate the dynamics. And when you've got somebody like DiBiase. Oh man! Just yeah. I, well, you mean you have to you have to have a great heel because then you have to want to see the right. get to come up and so right. I mean if you don't have a great heel then it, it doesn't matter right and you know his work with Virgil uh poor Virgil. yeah uh, <laughs> you know and I was right there when he when he when Virgil finally you know kind of said he couldn't take it when anymore he got and, it yeah man what and, a great he, story you know and he had those he uh, he I know he had a match with. Uh, on pay per view with DiBiase, mm-hmm. I'm 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 flaking on whether or not that was a win for Virgil or not. Um, 
I don't know. He won the million dollar belt at one point. That's I believe. So did. it must have been. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know, Virgil's had such a stellar and long storied career. It really has. So it, I mean, when you hard, think of the greatest of all to, time, it's hard gotta, to pick out those those um those real those real uncut gems. And he is a wrestling superstar Virgil. So he is. He really is. Uh, bless him. Uh, bless him. Sure. <laughs> I had a great career. What can you say? He really did. Um, and he certainly didn't know how to follow a meal ticket. <laughs> uh, right. From 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 promotion to promotion. Uh, I think he had four gimmicks in WCW when he finally went over. So uh, it sounds about right. I think I think they changed his name like, like we're gonna give you this name and then this name and because yeah, he was because make... he was Virgil because Dusty Rhodes is Virgil Runnels and then right, he went and to it was WCW a and then he was Vincent. Right, because of Vince McMahon, so I mean, his his name was kind of a rib his whole and, career. And then he joined the West Texas Rednecks with Kurt Hennig, the aforementioned Kurt yes. Hennig and Barry yeah. Windham, and I think they called him like Curly, Cur- curly, curly something. Yes, Curly yeah. something for sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, he Curly Joe, not Curly, maybe Hennig. Curly Joe. Yeah, that's that's the Afro, that's the uh, never aforementioned um, uh, last stooge. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, DiBiase was amazing. I, I just, you know, and he's one of the ones that, you know, technically was never really a world champion in the in the WWF. I mean, right. I know technically he technically he won it on a house show at one point, but he never like made it to air or anything. Um, I mean, but, Andre won and then sold him the belt. I think that was legitimate. I don't know why that was a problem. <laughs> I mean, it does sound like a uh, a fair and uh, square. Yeah. It's capitalism, uh, people. Come on. I mean, it, is. it really, really is. Um, I remember, speaking of that, I remember renting the WrestleMania 4 VHS, which was, was it two, maybe three VHSs? WrestleMania 4, right. because, because it had that world, it had the world title tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. It. And, and it was like the whole damn tournament was on one pay-per-view, <laughs> along with the undercard. Yeah, yeah, it was. was You know, they wasn't. They could have had the whole the whole pay per view could have just been that tournament, but no, they're going to start it with like a battle royal that had like NFL players in it, and uh, because that was the that was the one that it came down to Bret Hart and again another one of mine. I don't, I can't say much about him just because I don't know a lot about his career, but I remember liking him a lot, and that was Bad News Brown. Right. Yeah. Uh, Because he was one. He was another one of those ones that I felt was legit. Oh yeah, I, I think. But it, uh, I think but it came down to Bad News Brown and uh, Bret Hart in that in that and ro- that battle royal. Yeah. And, and I remember Hart winning it, but Brown like getting the trophy and like breaking it over his head or something. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, that makes. Uh, and then but, that was because yes, William Perry was it. William the Refrigerator Perry was in that b- battle royal. Yeah. And a couple bunch of other like. Football. That's the that's the big one I remember, just because like, I he was also a member of GI Joe. Yeah. He was a member of GI Joe. What? Uh, uh, William Perry was as well. That's so fantastic. He had his own action figure and everything. I did not know that. Which was a mace with a football on the end of it. <laughs> okay. So, because you know, that that seems dangerous. Uh, but yeah, so and that that was the one where again where DiBiase and uh, that was the one where Demian Ossie and, Hogan, and um, Andre had colluded to get the mm-hmm. title, and then it got vacated. Yeah, yeah. And then they had the tournament, mm-hmm. and where we first, where Randy Savage, the Macho Man, got his first world title run in the company. 
yeah. was out of the tournament. Um, of course, Hogan had to be there at the very end to make sure that he got his rub as well. Of but uh, <laughs> because Hulk, uh, that's Hulkster, brother. He's got a. He's got a. He's speaking <laughs> of uh, Macho Man, by the way. How beautiful was Miss Elizabeth? Oh my gosh! Just like the most one of the most beautiful women of all time, without a doubt. Um, and a snappy dresser too. And absolutely. Uh, I remember the the wedding of Randy and Elizabeth. Oh, match made a, in heaven, match made in hell. That was a. Uh, I think that was SummerSlam '88, maybe. Oh man, nine somewhere in there. Um. But yeah, I remember that wedding because I had the WWF. Ma- I didn't see the pay per view, but I sure as hell had the WWF magazine that had all the, <laughs> all the oh, pictures. Yeah. <laughs> because I could actually get the magazines. Um, but yeah, Elizabeth was great. Um, and she was one of those great um, performers that, while she was technically a valet, I always hated that term. Right. But she was more than a valet. Like she actually did stuff. Um, yeah. And was and was willing to like put whether it, when it, when it was heel savage when it was face savage she was willing to put herself in the line of danger mm-hmm. for her man or oh, when yeah. it was heel savage you know she was always kind of pulled in a lot of times as almost a human shield oh and he was so mean to her oh my <laughs> gosh it was crazy I mean I, you I go back and watch going, some of that stuff now she, it's very why uncomfortable she, why would she stay with him right. <laughs> This is, you know, it's like this is the most abusive relationship that kind of probably, I guess, mirrored in real life some too. But I digress. Uh, maybe. maybe I don't know. I, I know he was. Uh, the stories I've read have been like very he was, jealous and all he that. He was yeah. very protective. jealous and protective, and would keep her locked in his like locker dungeon. room area. Sex uh, dungeon. Right. Exactly. The savage dungeon. But when, but then, oh, yeah. I was always, but I again another heartbreaking moment as a kid was when Savage dumped Elizabeth and went with um, Sensational Sherry, Sherry right when he now. was the Macho King. Yeah, and Sherry Martell, holy cow, that's another one. We were talking about yeah. female performers that. Yeah. Oh man. I don't think she really gets her. I mean, she's in the Hall of Fame for whatever that's worth. Um, <laughs> but just a great, like she was a great wrestler of her, in her own merit. Yeah. Yeah. But then was just killer, and she managed some gr- just some great. It was in Savage, and she managed Harlem Heat, and I know I'm leaving off some other ones, but those are the two oh, that man, come to so mind. Um, she was just a killer, a killer. Flair, I think at least one day, one time. I yeah, I think during the there was a period I think during uh, NWA WCW that yeah it was that I think Flair actually had both Sherry Montel and he had all the women and woman Nancy. <laughs> yeah, Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was with him as well at, at the yeah. same time, I think. Yeah. Plus, the horseman, like, the horseman plus, like, had a good time. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So now we're going to talk horsemen. Okay. <laughs> um, because for me, that when I discovered the horsemen and the horsemen angles, and that was when I be actually became more of a NWA WCW fan than I was WWF fan. Right. Because I fucking love the horseman stuff man oh man yeah yeah I, if those guys and every iteration paul roma iteration not so much but um but pretty much any iteration of the horseman i was on board for and yeah. i wanted to see them get the crap kicked out of them every possible moment absolutely but um but our you know arn anderson is Easily again, if we're going back to favorites, another one of mine that I I love, Art Anderson matches. Oh yeah, 
uh, Arn was fantastic. And that's another one where, um, when we were talking about the perfect plex, Arn Anderson's spine buster was, oh. I mean, it's so beautiful. And well, he kind I of mean, invented just, it from, from what it, I, yeah. from what we know is he invented right. the spine buster and but, uh, but just, just one, another one of those where it was perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. He just, and he was another one that kind of felt real to me. Huh? And but for me, my fandom a lot of times is like actually as I went into as I got out of elementary school and got into like junior high age and preteen age, I really kind of gravitated towards the guys that I felt were more legit. So guys like Anderson who weren't screaming at the top of their lungs and promos, um, and just everything they seemed to do in the ring seemed hard hitting and real and impactful. And to me, that was An- Anderson kind of epitomized that. Yeah. Because you can actually listen to like Anderson promos, never raises his voice. It's all even keeled. It's all very, very like articulate. One of the most articulate men on the mic, probably mm-hmm. during that time period. And actually, apparently, from what I hear, was actually the one that actually coined the horseman name. Uh, for the for the group and yeah like i just and and i followed him from horseman to dangerous alliance oh yeah if, if you're the dangerous alliance um to when he went to the and i i was heartbroken I can't, i've used the heartbroken a lot tonight um right. it's a heartbreaking truly, times it is it is truly heartbreaking times <laughs> but i was i was kind of pissed when he and tully went to the wwf yeah for the, yeah, for, the brain, for their brain busters run yeah with Bobby Heenan and granted, you know, they were, they were great. great, They did great stuff. Their matches with the rockers. Oh yeah. uh, Were fantastic because they pitted such great, um, uh, you know, diametrically opposite teams, Mm -hmm. both in character and in style. Sure. Sure. Um, But they had the the series of matches that the brain busters and the rockers had were phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Um, my sister had a rockers poster on her wall when I was a kid. I'm sure she would love to know that I'm saying that, um, uh, for, for everybody in the world to know that listens to this. It's okay. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I did too. I'm pretty sure I had a, a rockers poster that came out of like the centerfold of the WWF magazine at the time. And I, I think the only wrestling poster I ever had, was I had a warrior poster. Okay. I did have that up, that up at one point or another. Um, but yeah, the horseman, um, big fan of Arn Flair, obviously, obviously, um, uh, I loved it when Barry Windham joined the group. Cause again, Barry Windham's another one of those guys that, you know, maybe doesn't get the love that a lot of other, a lot of other guys get from that era. Yeah. But I, I did done a bunch of reading recently and I read a lot of stories about Barry and Barry was one of these guys that was such a naturally gifted athlete mm-hmm. that n- never really went to the gym, you know, never, never really had to work out or train much. Yeah, it just came naturally. Just, he had just amazing, just amazing cardio and amazing, just physical gifts. Yeah. Um, and, and he was a, big dude like he was a, he wasn't the bulky thick you know hogan hogan ripped but he was just a naturally big guy yeah he was a, he was a, he was a hoss for sure yeah and so I, I always i enjoyed him i think the the iteration of the horseman that was flair anderson tully and Wyndham, with jj um as the manager I, probably my favorite iteration of them that's probably the best one yeah 
Um, only only seconded by um, the version that was uh, Arn, Flair. Uh, there was a there, uh, Brian Pillman was a member of the group. Pillman was point. a horseman, yeah. Um, and I, I remember enjoying that a lot just because I remember thinking no one seems to be able to kind of get a handle on him. <laughs> and from what I hear, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the boys mm-hmm. didn't know that when they were getting worked. Right. Yeah. He was, uh... I pill. like he was constantly just trying to just keep everybody both that he worked with and the audience, the fans on their toes. Sure. Uh, when he went to that loose cannon gimmick, um, oh, that's, yeah. a, that's another one that we, you know, damn. I mean, I only, I, I, I sometimes sit and think about what we would have gotten out of Pillman in, in, in some shape or form, even though maybe physically he couldn't go anymore. Right. If he hadn't have passed away. Right. Like what, what could he have provided and contributed to the business um, even outside of entering work because just, just uh, maybe clinically insane. I, mean, I think the, the, <laughs> the, the, the jury is still out on that, but damn, like that, that whole loose cannon gimmick. Once he kind of dropped that white meat baby face thing that he did in early WCW and just kind oh, of, yeah. and just kind of went off the deep end. It was like, I I dug that stuff, man. I, yeah, I he was a wild dude for sure. He just, you know, when and I think a lot of it apparently came from when he couldn't. He was injured to the point where he couldn't do the high flying stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. So he had to change his entering style, and rather than just change his entering style, he changed the whole gimmick and just freaking nailed it, man. I just, just unbelievable stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I remember. Uh, we would watch. We watched uh, the first. Um, what was it called? Clash of the Champions. Oh yeah. And when they would win those on TBS, mm-hmm. and uh, that was my first introduction to Sting. Oh yeah. And when he had his uh, title match with Flair, mm-hmm. that kind of went the distance. Went mm-hmm. to Broadway. Use that stupid ass term again. Um, but. You know, and he and I was again, I was crushed when, you know, time ran out just as he was, you know, locking in the scorpion death lock. And, and, you know, Uh, the old dusty finish and, you know, Flair was getting ready to tap, getting ready to tap. And he starts tapping. But just before he starts tapping, the bell rings. And, oh, yeah, you think he's won the think he's won the title. But no, the time limit, time limit ran out, man. You didn't didn't get it and just didn't make it. Just didn't make it. I remember, and I was I was a little stinger. I, I, I was a, I was a warrior, and I was a stinger. And the ironic thing being, they both came into the business together. Yeah, um, makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, but two two again, just so can, can we talk about two different dudes in the business? Right, right. Sting and Warrior Man. Holy wow! <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't get much more different than that. I mean, Sting's always seem like the the private type. Right. Whereas Warrior well, was not Sting, that at all. And Sting and Sting apparently, you know, and Sting really had a had a love for the business. Oh again. yeah. I'm taking this all off of I'm totally ripping off like other podcasts and things that I've listened to. Um but everybody steals from everybody. Yeah, aim you got that right. Um but Sting had a love for the business. Uh Warrior really was kind of in it for the money. Mm-hmm. And 
he knew he had a, a marketable gimmick. And then when Vince finally made him, you know, the gimmick, the gimmick, the ultimate warrior, you know, he, you know, he thought he could just live on the gimmick and he did for, you know, I guess a while for a while. Yeah. Till, till people just couldn't work with him anymore. Yeah. But what uh, a, what a fairy tale ending that guy got. Oh, geez. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny. I was just listening to, again, to plug another podcast. I was listening to, um, uh, Jim Ross's podcast Yeah, and a whole episode on warrior recently. Yeah. And, and, and Ross, you know, understandably so did not have a lot positive to say about the guy. I don't think there's a lot of people that do have a lot of positive uh, things. Uh, it's hard the, to find people that really he says that he really of... didn't have, he really didn't have friends in the business. Right. You right. know, uh, and, and that's a lot from what I hear, uh, of his own doing, you know, oh, well, yeah. he, he kind of ostracized himself. Uh, from, I remember from, reading some of his rants like early in the internet. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, and it's just oh, wow. it was bad. It was destrucity. Oh, it uh, was it was rough, man. But uh, but yeah, he talked about a guy again. Yeah, you're right. The fairy tale ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I actually that was the I guess that was the first year of the WWE Network. Um, because I remember watching the Hall of Fame going into Mania that year. Mm-hmm. I think that was 25. I believe that was 2014. And yeah, from from kind of being welcomed back with open arms, so to speak, to the company and having his kids up there on the stage with him mm-hmm. and his wife to have his speech. And then the next day, next night to do um, or the Monday after. Yeah. Do Raw. Did the promo on Raw. Did that and- promo on Raw. Where he basically, if you go, it's 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 a little haunting to watch. It's it a now. little eerie for sure. It yeah. really is because he talks about you know taking his last breath. And yeah, all this stuff and to think that he didn't die, he was dead within twelve hours. Yeah, of that. Maybe, or, maybe he knew. You know, you know. It's it's funny again. Um, Ross said on when they were on their conversations, he, he said he's in retrospect he remembered him looking, even at the Hall of Fame, sweating profusely. Mm-hmm. And just looking uncomfortable, right? You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, there, there probably was something going on that, you know, and again, you can't do that. You can't do the damage chemically, oh, no. to, chemically cool. to your body that that guy had done. You know, as long as he probably did it, and not take gambles. I, mean, I can't imagine what that guy's heart looked like when they finally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly, exactly. Unless it just uh, exploded, there's nothing. Yeah, it's like yeah, they start the autopsy and poof, uh, like a bag of confetti. Um, <laughs> it's gross. It, was, it is gross. It's it gross. really weird. I just, I just imagine. His I don't heart know why. Exploded. I don't know why I was thinking what his heart looked like. Why would I think that? I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It is. Um, it is strange times. It's something. It, it's yeah. Uh, our brains when when you're cooped up like we are right now. If you're oh, listening, man. ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this after the year 2020 um, and anywhere <laughs> in the near future, this is being recorded still during the COVID 19 pandemic. Yeah. Clusterfuck of a situation that we are in and yeah it's um you're when you're when you're left to your own with your own brain for any length of time 
these uncertain times. Some, some, in these uncertain times. <laughs> if, there's, if there are certain phrases that I will be glad when they finally go away, uh, social distancing, right? uncertain times, maybe the two at the top of the list that I'll sure. be glad when they were no longer in the day-to-day lexicon yeah. uh, that we have going on, because um, I'll be glad when it's over. <laughs> I know well, everybody is, and that's a silly thing to say, but well, you know, it's a it's something that everybody's feeling. So it really, it, it really is. Sometimes uh, you just got to say it out loud. It's a mess, but you know, it's it certainly makes wrestling feel a lot different now than it did back then. For sure. I mean, sure. yeah, it's not that they're playing. I mean, let's face it; they really don't even, except for Mania, they don't play to the crowds that they used to play to on a rather more frequent basis. Yeah. That's that true. you know that even into the even into the nineties in the Attitude Era, yeah, um, they were playing to these huge, huge crowds. And now, if they've got like I guess twelve thousand, I guess they're doing. They feel like they're doing good. Yeah, Mania always seems to do really. The well. Mania is like, already uh, good because you know, you know it's, I think it's just the name value of WrestleMania. They was well, the name value. It's the huge, the huge arena or stadium or whatever it is they do it in, um, and then I, I, they, I think they paper in a lot of the. Upper decks as well. Um, Probably, if you know, if you, I think there's a lot of business ticket packages given away, um, just to just to make it look full. But mm-hmm. that's just me being a slightly jaded, um, only only slightly, Patrick. only, only slightly, slightly jaded, only slightly jaded. You're mostly um, mostly a ray of sunshine. Mostly, I'm I'm a yeah I'm a I'm a font of sunshine. Uh, See some other. Uh, I was thinking about some other guys. Ravishing Rick Rude was always a personal favorite. He always creeped me out. <laughs> well, I, was I mean, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> legit. <laughs> yeah, he, he always creeped me out because um, I don't think I've ever ever liked airbrush art. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I used to go to Gatlinburg a lot when I was a kid. Oh and, yes. And, and it's just airbrush everywhere. And I just, I was always thought it was so tacky. And then he it's would still airbrush. There. Yes, it's go great down. art. Don't get me wrong. I mean, very talented people do it. I just don't care for airbrushing. And, and right. if you're offended by that, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I really I'll, apologize. Although I'll say one of the best heel moves any wrestlers ever done was when Rude was having his feud with Jake Roberts. Oh, God, and yeah. He had, and he had the tights airbrushed with Jake's wife on the cross. Yeah. Oh. And I was like. Even as a kid, I'm like, damn. And that, and that, uh, the curly mullet and the creepy mustache. I mean, it was. It's like the full. It's like the total pedo package. Yeah, I I remember thinking it's the creep package for sure. As a kid, I was like, wow, he's really oily. (laughs) He's really oily. And I was like, I don't. I wouldn't want to be in the ring with him because I feel like you'd, you'd be like a. Like one of those squeezy, squishy toys that you squish it and it like shoots out of your hand. Like, I yeah. feel like if you tried to grab Rudy, he would just like shoot out of your grip. Yeah, probably. Just go scooting across the ring. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was always creeped out by Rudy. I did love Jake the Snake, though. Uh, I was Jake a big, I was a, to, uh, to this day, I am a Jake Roberts fan. Oh, he's great now on uh, AEW. If you, I don't know if you watch yeah, AEW. Yeah, I, ha- I have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, he's such a great promo. And yeah, he's. And he was an, a, another one, man, that DDT. <laughs> Yeah, the DDT he made, a, made a yeah. career off that one move, and yeah, he um he was another one that you know you could tell didn't do much in the gym, yes, <laughs> like ever. Uh, but you, you you've seen the documentary, right? I have not. Oh, you haven't. 
no. Oh my gosh, you need to sit. I I think it's on Prime. It's either on Prime or Netflix. I, it's got to be on one or the other. The resurrection of Jake. The Zay resurrection Zay. of Jake Say yeah. Robert is so damn good, dude. Yeah, it's it is a great, great. It's a great doc. And then if you're just in general, and then if you're a wrestling fan, it's I think it kind of it kicks it up a notch, and it's and how great it is. Yeah, uh, I remember when uh, when Beyond the Mat came out, and um, that was a big documentary and a big story. And he, of course, he was in that. But yeah, like I I I don't know. I have a hard time watching wrestling documentaries because I guess for me, like. It's the magic of of the yeah. show, and then that. you know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I've been, I know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, but for me, I try to, I try to keep it surface level. Sure. Yeah, I <laughs> if it. I get, if I get further into it, it's just so, so watching a documentary about you know someone who played a character essentially, right, uh, right, that, that I loved. Right. It's, I, I don't know, I'll get around to it for sure. Um, and what's nice about the the resurrection. Uh, Doc is it's really not as much it's really not about the wrestling career at all right no it's really about you know the depths that he sank to personally Mm -hmm. and how he has fought out of it and how many times it he just kind of fell off the wagon and Dallas Page just was there every time like yoga man and, and Page is a Page Page deserves if if the Wrestling Hall of Fame is actually a real legit thing or ever was going to be a legit thing, there needs to be a Diamond Dallas Page wing. Because what that dude has done, forget his Save own career, yeah. but what he has done for people in the business, uh, just it's it's remarkable. Yeah, it it really he's, is. He's doing he's doing good things for sure. You know, it's it's very very rarely do you see that kind of give back in any business. Uh, in any industry, yeah. but what he has given back, you know, it's just been remarkable. Um, but here I was just going, was going through another of the list of guys, um, the other characters, Vader. I was always a big, big Van Vader fan. Yeah. He, it was another one. He scared me. Yeah. A, he, he scared me too. He um, had the, the headpiece that like blew steam. Scared me. A trivia, do you know who was originally want to be using that big Mastodon headpiece? I, I do not know. Ultimate Warrior. Oh, okay. So before he got signed to the WWF, New Japan was looking at him. Mm-hmm. And they had this gimmick, but they didn't have anybody for it yet. Oh. And they were actually going to put him under that helmet. But then he took the, the Vince money and Leon White, uh, big, big Vader, uh, ended up being the guy that ended up with the gimmick. Yeah, um, which you know, you think about it, you're like, I can't imagine Warrior. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, as, as Vader, yeah. it wouldn't have been Warrior, but I mean, I just don't. You don't picture them. I mean, it, 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 that helmet thing fit Vader perfectly. Oh yeah, it was, like, it was, it was great. Yeah. <clears throat> like so good. And again, yeah, that was one that he scared me as a kid too. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually remember back in growing up in South Carolina, uh, we went to some matches at the Carolina Coliseum. And uh, Vader was, they had, they were taping, it was TV taping matches, but they had some uh, non taped matches they were doing as well. And Vader, at some point in the night, wrestled some uh, uh, enhancement talent uh, fella, some just some poor schmo that probably worked locally. The gambler. 
Right. So the gambler, the gambler. <laughs> uh, but was wrestling some dude, and he, I, I want to say he like German suplexed him or just threw him over his head, and I was sitting like six rows back, uh, in the in the stadium. Yeah. Or the, or the Coliseum, and dude hit the top rope face first and snapped back and Vader just kind of turned and looked and the guy just laid there and legit like the EMTs and stuff had to come out and put the halo on him and like he had broken dude had broken his neck oh no yeah um and yeah, I, I remember reading about it. We read about it in the new, like in the in the paper the next day about accident at the wrestling matches or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, that's one of two incidents I went. I saw. I saw a taping um, again for NWA slash WCW back in the day. And this was at the Township Auditorium, which is a smaller venue, and we're literally like you bought your ticket, and they did they would do towns, and apparently they did they at the time had so much syndicated programming. They would tape like six or seven hours in one town. Yeah. For all, all of their syndicated television. Yeah. So my dad and I would go to these things because my dad was buddies with like the beer vendors um, because he worked in the grocery business. So, Pops? Uh, right. And so we would get free tickets to a lot of these shows, which was awesome. Um, but I remember going to, we were watching the, we were watching the same guys over and over again. Um, in these on these tapings for these syndicated shows, yeah. But um, it was during a time period that Jim Cornette, old corny, was with the Midnight Express still, and they were coming. And the way it was set up was the Township Auditorium was actually a stage venue, so it actually had like a big stage at one end of it. Okay. Uh, but they didn't put the ring on the stage because that would be weird. So they put it in the middle of the house, and they just used the stage area. For where the ta- the wrestlers would actually come in, so they'd come in off the stage into the house to the matches, and we're sitting there again. We had pretty decent seats thanks to Budweiser, um, and sponsorship, right? Thing, the of course, like especially back in the day, it's not as bad now because they put so much distance between the fans and the wrestlers now, um, but. You know, fans could reach out and grab and pat and slap and all that kind of stuff. The wrestlers, as they were coming to the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as people were wont to do back in the day. Sure. Um, we saw this happening, and you know, the midnight come through, and Corny comes through, and uh, some some somebody grabs Jim Cornette hard enough to like spinning, essentially, mm-hmm. in where he stands, and Cornette literally started wailing on the dude with his tennis racket <laughs> not yeah. not not kayfabe in it like oh no it. turned out the dude was down syndrome oh jesus yeah and for the longest time my dad and i had this story and we would talk about it but i could go i would go on the internet and i would try to find it, try to find it. i could never find Evidence that it ever actually happened And I was beginning to think Up until this last year That it was some sort of fever dream But then again Talking about other podcasts I was watching one of the the Tony Schiavone podcast Listening mm-hmm. to it And sure as shit They started talking about that story <laughs> You and must have like, felt so awesome And I was like oh my god 
I'm not crazy. I remembered correctly. It was right. It was there. But I remember, yeah, uh, Cornette was because Cornette wasn't allowed to like work matches back in back in Columbia anymore. Like, like he was like banned for whatever, like like the athletics commission, you know, because those were still kind of mandating things at the time. Uh, Like, yeah, so he that legit. I was like, thank God I'm not. This is not some sort of fabricated thing that I remember as a kid. This shit actually happened. Ah. Um, It was nuts. Um, But yeah, so Vader, yeah, Vader was a Vader was a scary one to me. Um, I I I was a big fan of the undercard guys growing up. You know, I was I was uh, the main event guys were fun. They were great, but I I really loved guys like. You know, like I loved. Like, I was a huge Owen Hart fan when he came in as the Rocket. Okay. When he first came in, mm-hmm. um, and I was a fan of his when he was the Blue Blazer originally. You know, before we even knew him as Owen. Right. He was in. Uh, he was in the F as the Blue Blazer. Um, yeah. I had. Uh, I had a Blue Blazer poster. Yeah, I'm, nice. I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm. I'm having like total recall now. Um, wasn't that crazy? Like you, something will just happen, and like, oh my god, I remember. How do I remember that? I know, but I remember. I was a big, I was a big fan of Owen, and a lot of it was just because he was doing stuff that you didn't see other guys do. Oh yeah, because he was he was one of these guys that physically was able to do just stuff that he was he was a good ten to fifteen years ahead of his time in terms of a lot of a lot of the wrestlers doing this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you know he was just so quick and so agile. I remember when Cactus Jack Mick Foley came into my life as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when working for well, I remember first. Um, I, you, you said you didn't have cable, so you probably don't remember this. But ESPN used to have the rights to run um, World Class Championship Wrestling out of Texas, right? And that was I used to that was on like every afternoon when I came home from school, like at three o'clock, three thirty. WCCW was on ESPN mm-hmm. like like Monday through Friday was. Nuts. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I was exposed to a lot of those guys, you know, the, the Von Erics, mm-hmm. the Angel of Death, okay. uh, gentleman Chris Adams. Oh, yeah. Remember him? But that mm-hmm. was my first exposure to Cactus Jack. Yeah. He came as part of Scandor Akbar's um like a stable. With I think I, I think Abdullah the Butcher was in that group and you know was that is that that whole cadre. But and that was another one that I remember being legitimately scared of when I was younger. Like I was like this dude's this dude's uh, on a different level in terms of what he's doing. Yeah, because I remember the first time I saw him do like one of those elbow drops off the apron onto the concrete floor. Right. You would watch his the back of his oh, oh, and when he when he would hit it, that's fine. But the times that like dude would run out, roll out of the way and Jack would just take those sick head bumps. Oh, yeah. Would watch the back of his head bounce off the floor. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I know this is again, quote unquote, staged, but you don't bounce your skull off the concrete. It's not a good idea. Not a good no, idea. No, but I just, I just remember in the sick, like, and when he's got into his feud with Vader in early WCW, 
And I don't know if you've seen much of that, but they about killed each other. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That's where the famous Mick got his ear ripped off. You know, yeah. Yeah. it didn't happen where you know, they were in Germany and he had his ear ripped off in the ring. Um, or the stuff that I remember there's a great, if you have never seen it, I can't remember which pay-per-view it's on, but there's a great tag team match, hardcore tag team match before hardcore was a thing between the nasty boys and Mick Foley or Cactus Jack, excuse me, and mm-hmm. Max Payne. Okay. Do you remember Max Payne? Very vaguely. They those two were a team and they teamed against the Nasties. And it was a hardcore match again before ECW. Mm-hmm. And you watch that match now. They are the number of times they come close to just again, just braining each other, just killing each other. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. It's insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And they just and the WCW. It's, it's a it's a it's a shame. It's, it just kind of goes to show that WCW just didn't kind of know what they were doing half the time. Sure. Yeah. But they just didn't know what they had with that stuff. When I time. think of when I think of early or when I think of when I first remember Cactus Jack, I I remember that uh, it was like his weird cage match with an electric chair. Do you remember this? Yes, that was it. The Tower of Doom match, Tower, maybe. No, Tower of Doom. I think was the four, three or four cages on top of each other. Yeah, but no, this was a the Chamber of Horrors. Chamber of Horrors. Chamber of Horrors match. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was an electric chair in the middle yes. of the ring. He was in it. Uh, Abdullah was in it. Uh, the <laughs> the Steiner brothers, who are probably my favorite tag team of all time. Yeah, we haven't um, talked about tag teams very much, but yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. and it's some other people that I'm forgetting, but that was the most ridiculous thing of all time. And yeah. I remember it scared the crap out of me. Cause I really, I, that was one of the moments I was legit lost in it. And I really thought that they electrocuted. i the butcher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That match, and I go back and watch it now and it looks so fake and ridiculous. But it at does. the time, the fact it, that if you, if you watch it, if you watch it, like the, the switch for the, um for the electric chair, it got knocked early on oh, got, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. fell into the on position, the <laughs> on position. And somebody had to go over there. Like, I think finally, like one of the refs or something like pushed it back. And like, it was, oh gosh, it's so good. A lot of that early W that the early nineties WCW stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I loved uh, Dustin Rhodes when he first came around. The and natural the, baby. The yeah. I mean, cause yes. I was such a big Dusty fan. I was like, Dustin was uh, was a treat at that time. Dustin was great. Dustin's always been good, though. It's I mean, true. He's always been very good. I think it was another one that when he went when it started doing Goldust, that weirded me out a little bit. But yeah. he grew into it. Well, it's so funny. It's, it's funny you mentioned the whole Goldust gimmick because I remember seeing those first vignettes mm-hmm. for Goldust, and I remember watching the first couple, and I was like, "Oh, this is really weird." Then I, I remember the moment there was like a like a second or the third one, he was doing it. And I had that moment of when I went, that's Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Gold, uh, and, it, and like I, it, like it all clicked together in my brain. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh my gosh, that's freaking Dustin Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when he first, when it first couple of vignettes, I was, did not recognize him at all. But talking about a guy who poured himself into a gimmick, man. It's still going, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, more or less. But yeah, the dust, uh, the gold dust gimmick was talk about shit that's ahead of its time. Oh, 
I mean, good grief. Well, without even going into when it really went off the deep end during the Attitude Era. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I was like, wow, he's wearing a ball gag. Yeah. That happened. But then again, I mean, back in the 80s, you had Demolition and they were in S&M gear. So they like... really were in retrospect. They, you know, they Demolition was Vince's answer for the Road Warriors. Yeah, they they, they the Demolition never scary quite... leather daddies is what it they was. Just... Like... The scary leather daddies axe and smash. Um, they never I never I never bought into them just because they. I had seen road. I'd seen the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal first, mm-hmm. and then you look at Demolition, and you kind of get the idea that they're going. They're going for that, but I'm like, oh yeah, these they just do do not look. And and they were great workers. I mean, they they were great guys. They yeah, but they did not look as legitimately dangerous. And they just, I and, mean, like we were talking about earlier, they didn't just murder people like the Road Warriors did. Right. The, yeah, the Road Warriors. They I, were booked so dominant, the Road Warriors. That, well, they they were. Know. And I, what was it I was watching? Um, it may have been it, it may have been the Dark Side of the Ring episode about um, Hawk. Well, it was this past season. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about how, you know, for the longest time, uh, they... Joel. They didn't. They weren't. They weren't signed to a specific promotion. They were just kind of. They were treated as an attraction, kind of like Andre was. Yeah, yeah. And so they just kind of went went from promotion to promotion. But wherever they went, they came in, like at the top of the card. Right. Whether whether that, you know, region that territory had seen them or not, mm-hmm. they came in top of the card and would obliterate. Yeah. Whatever attraction. Yeah. yeah. Was at the top of the card as well. Like they just, they came in to destroy people and somebody, somebody said it was like, maybe they said it was like, they, they swore it was like two or three years into their career before um, Hawk and Animal got smartened up to the business. Right. <laughs> they just beat people up and nobody told them anything else. It's right. They're just... afraid to fight back. Well, that's another one that I thought it was interesting that I didn't know until later on was, um, uh, their, their their manager. Oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. Paul Ellering. Uh, Paul Ellering. Thank you. Yeah. That he wasn't just an on air manager for those two. Like he literally, legitimately managed their careers. Right. Right. I think a few managers did that early on. They may. They may have. But yeah. I, that was the first one I remember hearing about. Going. Oh well. Like like this. Like they, he like legit did this. Yeah. And well, that was a really smart dude too, Paul. Yeah, so. from what from what I've yeah. from what I've read and seen and heard, yeah, like he's like a very educated guy. Um, but yeah, um, well, I'm looking at the old clock on the wall, and I'm seeing I've been at this for almost an hour. Or clock so. time, time doesn't matter anymore. Time, time, time. Yeah. What what is it? <laughs> it's it's who cares thirty. Um, yeah. It legitimately is. But dude, this has been so fun. Thanks, man. Uh, it's it's okay. good to talk to you. It really is, and I'm I'm so glad you could do this. Do you have? I'd, I'd say, do you have anything to pimp or promote? But yeah, not not really. I mean, if you want to find me, I'm out there. Um, I'm on Twitter, and I'm doing sort of doing shows in Orlando. <laughs> in, Orlando. Uh, in the Orlando area, what's the yeah. what's the pirate show you do? Uh, Pirates Dinner Adventure. Okay, cool. Um, and then also, I work for Sleuths uh, Mystery Dinner Shows, and right on. Uh, both open right now, so, we'll so yeah. See so if you're, in the, if you're in the Central Florida area, those are things to definitely check those out. Are great shows, whether or not I am in them, they are even better when I'm in them. But they're great. <laughs> regardless, I'm, I'm itching to perform again too. It's been 
I haven't I haven't done anything. If we now can digress for a second, yeah. I I haven't done anything. I'm trying to think, I directed back in the first quarter of the year, but I haven't performed since fall of last year. Right. So it's been a piece. Yeah. So I'm, I'm itching to kind of find anything to do performance wise. I think that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast because it gave me some sort of an outlet. Yeah, it gives you something to, something to, to do. To do something. But anyway, again, so great to talk to you. Yeah, man. And um, give Danny our love. And um, we will hook up again soon. And I'll talk to you later, brother. And that wraps up this week's episode. I want to thank everybody who has downloaded it and listened to it, as well as the previous episodes. I promise I will start doing more episodes as I get better and better at this. So please just keep listening and uh, tell your friends about it. And more listeners I have, maybe the more I'll record. Who knows? (laughs) I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Uh, If you want to reach me with a review or a question or a comment, you can email me at pksgeekkingdom at gmail.com. Oh, and if you like the new music I had on the show starting with this episode, that has been provided by my friend Cameron Bortz, who uh, does great, great original music work. So if you have any need for any original music, jingles, songs, or anything like that, You can reach him, well, right now through me, but he has a website that will be going live very soon. And as soon as I have that information, I will provide it to you. Again, thank you so much for listening this week, and I will talk to you soon. Have a good one.